I'm Adam German from Housing Japan, welcoming you to HJ Insight, a podcast dedicated to educating listeners about the ins and outs of the central Tokyo real estate market. Before we begin a little housekeeping, Housing Japan is Tokyo's premier residential real estate firm. We have divisions dedicated to long term and short term leasing, sales and purchase, property management, and project development. If you're looking for any residential real estate services in the central Tokyo area, then we're here to help. Visit www.housingjapan.com for more information. And now, on with the show. Renting in Tokyo can be confusing, which is why I wanted to talk about how to go about renting an apartment. One thing about residential renting in Tokyo is that you need a real estate agent. Why? Because your agent can get you access to properties that you wouldn't otherwise be able to do yourself. Very rarely can you talk directly to an owner in regards to renting an apartment, as almost all units are managed on behalf of an owner by a property manager. You could try and speak directly to a property manager, however, the vast majority of property managers out there don't speak English or any other language other than Japanese. Your agent then is the person who negotiates with property managers on your behalf. For every property you view, there's a different property management company that your agent has spoken to in order to secure keys for a viewing. So basically, the property manager is the side of the transaction that protects the owner's interest, and your agent is the one protecting your interest. The other thing you need to successfully and smoothly secure a lease is steady Japan based income if you are planning to lease under your own name. You need a job, basically. When you apply for an apartment, you need to submit proof of income, usually in the form of a letter of employment with salary information, the past three months of pay slips, and copies of your resident card and passport photo page. While your agent can do things like negotiate a better rent or better lease terms, what they cannot do is negotiate you into a lease where you can't afford it. How can property managers decide if you can or cannot afford the rent? They lean on the one third rule, meaning that the rent of the apartment cannot exceed one third of your gross monthly income. So, for example, in simple numbers, if you want to rent an apartment for 100,000 yen a month, then you must show that you earn at least 300,000 yen a month in monthly income. If you earn anything less than that, then your application will not pass and there isn't anything your agent can do about this to, to negotiate on your behalf. If your company is applying on your behalf, then you would only need to submit your identification and a letter of employment without salary information to the property manager. However, in this case, it wouldn't be you interfacing with the property manager, it would be your company's human resources department. There's one main point of confusion when it comes to corporate residential leases, and it's the misconception that all corporate leases do not require a guarantor. This is only true if the corporation is a publicly traded company on any stock exchange in the world. If your company isn't publicly traded, then usually the company president will need to act as the guarantor of the lease, or the company pays to use what is called a guarantor company. As mentioned before, individual leases and private corporate leases must have guarantors. A guarantor is a co signer that agrees to take legal responsibility for the rent in case the lessee fails to make rent payments. The problem in Japan, however, is that while everyone needs a guarantor, no one wants to be one, and even Japanese people sometimes have trouble asking a relative or a friend to co sign on a lease. From this conflicting need has arisen the existence of what is called the guarantor company, a third party insurance that the tenant pays for, which acts in lieu of a guarantor. This insurance covers any lost rent due to the lessee failing to pay the rent.、Uh, it also covers legal costs on behalf of the owner for eviction purposes, and also restoration of the property to its original condition post eviction. This is a great service for property managers, owners, and tenants as it takes the emotion out of finding a guarantor, albeit with a cost to the tenant. 
This cost is between a half month's rent to a one month rent fee depending on which guarantor company the property manager is using for the apartment you want to rent. One thing for you, the tenant, to note is that you don't choose what guarantor company to use, the owner and the property manager does. However, the application process is simple as the same documents needed to apply for an apartment are the same documents the guarantor company needs as well, so all your agent needs to do is fill out an extra form when applying for the apartment you like. There is one thing the guarantor company needs that is extra to what the property manager needs for an apartment application, and that's called an emergency contact person. This person is someone the guarantor company would call should the tenant fail to pay rent. However, the emergency contact person doesn't take any responsibility for anything about the lease, but is merely someone who the guarantor company can contact to find out what happened to you, the tenant. Are you hospitalized for a long period of time due to an accident? Did you get arrested or incarcerated? Did you leave the country permanently? That sort of thing. To those of you who are going through the process of applying for a lease currently, asking someone to be an emergency contact sounds a lot like asking someone to be a guarantor, so don't be surprised if people you thought were close friends decline to allow their personal information to be used as an emergency contact. Despite specifically saying that you aren't asking for someone to be a guarantor, but just an emergency contact, some people want nothing to do with it, and my advice is not to read too much into the status of the friendship should the person you ask decline to have their personal information used. Let's move on to contract fees, which in Japan can be significant. There is usually a two months rent worth of deposit funds that need to be paid. This is a refundable fund held by the property manager to pay for damages incurred during the lease discovered when the tenant moves out. Usually a cleaning fee is deducted from the deposit at the end of the lease, and if there's no other damage, then the remaining deposit is refunded back to you, the tenant. Asking your agent to negotiate down deposit funds is usually a difficult task as it isn't considered revenue from the property managers nor the owner's standpoint. If you were the owner, would you let a tenant live in your unit with reduced deposits? Probably not. Another absolutely detested contract fee associated with residential leases is what is called kimai. This is often referred to as gift money, usually in the amount of two months worth of rent paid to the property manager as a non-refundable fee. The origin of key money, some say, stems back to the Great Kanto Earthquake in 1923 when a magnitude 7.3 earthquake beneath Sagami Bay destroyed a lot of the buildings in the Kanto area. There were very few places to live after the earthquake and the tenants willing to pay the most gratitude money or gift money or key money to the owner were the ones able to lease out the remaining living space. Fast forward to the firebombing of World War II, which again destroyed a lot of living space, and the amount of key money tenants were willing to pay once again decided whether they would have a place to live or not. Even during Japan's famous bubble era, it wasn't uncommon for owners to receive large amounts of key money for people to secure residential and office leasing space. Sometimes a year's worth of rent in Tokyo's glitzy Ginza area was, was exchanged in the form of key money. However, since the collapse of the bubble, Tokyo's standard amount of key money owners advertise is a maximum of two months' rent. While the same term is still used in Japanese, key money is not so much considered the bribe it once was and is actually seeing a bit of a demise, albeit slowly. According to the real estate site Sumo, which is Japan's version of a Zillow or a realestate.com.au, Roughly 1 in 10 advertised apartments were advertising zero key money. This is a trend that looks to continue as more and more Japanese people are against paying the fee at all. So without a doubt, key money is usually a targeted fee that renters wished their agent to negotiate out, and this has some success. 
When you apply for an apartment, you, the renter, fill out the application form, which allows you to write in the amount of rent you wish to pay, how much deposit money and key money you are willing to pay, and how much renewal fee you wish to pay. Since the form must be filled out in Japanese, usually we at Housing Japan fill out the form for our clients after confirming what they wish to offer. While lowballing an offer will ensure a swift rejection of the application with no counteroffer, usually key money can be reduced and owners and property managers advertise key money half expecting that renters will wish to negotiate the fee. So your agent can advise on how best to approach such a negotiation. One thing to note is while you might be dead set on not paying key money, there are many other Japanese renters willing to pay the fee, so choosing not to pay key money will slim down your selection of properties available for you to view. While not impossible to pay no key money, it does take longer to secure a lease with more failed application attempts than usual, so best to be patient. Another fee associated with leasing an apartment is the brokerage fee, otherwise known as an agency fee. This is a fee of one month rent paid to your agent for, the, for their services when you sign a lease. This fee is commonly misunderstood to be paid to the owner or property manager, so if you tell your agent that you are not willing to pay an agency fee, this is the same as telling your agent that you want them to work for free, so best not to try and negotiate this fee should you wish to use an agent at all. One other fee worth mentioning is a renewal fee, which is another one-month rent fee that isn't paid when you sign the lease. However, it is due if you choose to renew the lease at the end of the lease term. This fee is decided, though, when you sign the lease originally, so you need to think about this when you apply for an apartment. That said, the renewal fee is the easiest to negotiate out, and offering no renewal fee on an apartment application has the highest chance of success. At the time of the lease signing, the property manager and owner see it as a 50-50 chance that you will renew for another contract two years from the point of application, so acquiescing on the request of no renewal fee, or at least bringing it down to a half month's rent, isn't that big of an ask compared to negotiating on the rent or negotiating on the other fees involved. So, when all added up with guarantor company fees, deposits, key money, brokerage fee, and first month's rent, it can sometimes cost up to seven months rent just to secure a lease if you pass the application process. A good agent can bring down some of the fees, however, if you are looking to live in a high demand location where your application is competing with others that are willing to pay closer to what the owner is asking, then your offer might be rejected. The good news is that a good agent can guide you through the process and help you find the best property that fits budget and lifestyle. Luckily, Housing Japan has great leasing agents experienced in doing this day in and day out. That said, we all know a story about someone who is able to negotiate a great deal on their apartment. Lower than market rent, great central location, large living space with zero key money. We can tell you from experience these stories are the exception and not the norm. And while there is no hard data to point to, my own leasing agent experience has shown that for every one success story, there are a hundred other failed attempts to try the same negotiation. So please do listen to the advice your agent is giving you regarding how to approach a negotiation. If you are set on trying to find the unicorn situation, however, there is a type of property that would work for you, and these are called Jiko Buken, which is Japanese for accident properties. These are properties where someone died of foul play. The more morbid the foul play, the greater the negotiation powers tenants have, as the demand in these specific buildings are much lower than their non-accident pro neighbors. All it requires you to do is be willing to live in an apartment where something bad happened. 
Thanks for listening, and remember to subscribe to this podcast and get notified when we publish something new. Also, feel free to send feedback to me at german at housingjapan.com as we are always interested in making this show better and more relevant to you, the listener. Visit www.housingjapan.com for more real estate property listing information. Thanks for listening, and bye for now.